number 15. We're going to read verses number 11 down through verse number 32. And uh, I'm, I'm going to read it quickly so you get your Bible and you follow along. Uh, but we're going to we're going to we're going to take some time today, but I'm going to try to preach as quick as I can, as quick as the Lord will let me. Um, I feel compelled to finish this message today. Now you say, "What do you mean finish? You ain't even started." You're right. So I just beg your patience today as we try to start and finish. This is not one that I, I feel like I could just cut it off and do part of it tonight. And so I covet your prayers today. Chapter number 15, verse number 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have fain filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Is this thing popping? Y'all help me. Okay, we're just turning it off. And uh, Brother Nathan, you do your magic on the editing, all right? All right, verse number 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I, will, and I perish with hunger? I will arise. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he whoop, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. 
And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he, the father, said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Let's pray. God, we love you. We ask you now that you'd guide our thoughts, our steps, our lips. Father, we pray that you'd give us clarity of mind, give us compassion, give us authority from your word. God, we pray that you'd touch us as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll be honest this morning, I, 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 I am, I'm preaching this with a broken heart, but I'm also preaching this with a joyful heart, and I'm preaching this with the lyrics of that song Kaylee just sang, if not for grace, just rolling around in my head. And this message today has been, or this parable, the text here has been preached uh, countless times, probably many of those times were right in this pulpit uh, itself by great men. And I've heard great men preach this man as lost and getting saved. I've heard preachers preach this man as a, a Christian and he got away from God and he got back. And, and you know, just, just to be transparent, I think you can see some of both of those things in this. Uh, but we call him a prodigal son. And, and I remember people talking about uh, years ago, people had mentioned, you, you pray for this particular person in my family, he's a prodigal. And uh, I, I remember years ago we had what was called a prodigal prayer night, and, and that was so that we could meet and pray for those sons and those daughters that were gone astray. And, and just kind of on a whim this morning, I said, you know, let me just look up what prodigal means. I was thinking that it means a wayward son or a wayward individual, but it doesn't. It just simply means someone that wastes their living or wastes their substance. So sometimes we get it wrong when we call those wayward people a prodigal. Uh, but if you've got a Scofield Bible, you see that this says it's the parable of the lost son. Before that was the lost coin and the lost sheep. And so in that same vein, we look at this young man, and whether you preach him lost or you preach him saved, I fully believe that that in this, especially in preaching, my own shortcomings uh, come to light. And, and I remember those times that God extended grace to me. And I remember those times that I had to come, I felt like I had to come graveling back to God and saying, God, would you please, God, I'll do whatever you want. But this is not in it. But I don't know if you really caught it. He rehearsed what he had to say in verse 17 and 18, in verse 19. But verse 20, when he started saying those things, and he says, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son, his very next statement was, 
make me as one of thy hired servants. But the father stepped in, interrupted him, Miss Kim, and didn't let him finish. But he called his servants and said, go, get these things and bring it because my son was lost. I'm about to, I don't, whoop, hallelujah. One thing, though, is certain in this, whether you're preaching saved or you're preaching lost, the ending is always the same. Someone came home to the Father. Amen. And boy, that thrills my heart today to know that there is someone just wanting to come back to God. And, and we can all think about someone that we know personally from this church that's, that's trying to come back. And, and this is the official statement this morning from your pastor. It's time to open our arms and, and allow this man to come back into our fold and, and to allow him to do what he feels in his heart and soul that he needs to do today. But as we look at this, I want us to give us, I want to give us all a chance where we can be like this prodigal, quote unquote, and and be able to get right with God. You say, well, I don't feel like I'm a prodigal. I don't feel like I've done wrong. Neither did this other son here. He didn't think he did wrong. Matter of fact, he even testified that he never broke any, any, any rules that his father had, but yet there was something in his heart that he needed to get right. I want to give you, and y'all don't clinch up on me this morning, but I want to give you about eight things this morning from this passage that's going to help us as we go forward as an individual, but also as a church. Are y'all with me this morning? Say amen. I want us to number, note number one about this son, this prodigal son, is his departure. If you look at verse number 12, it says, The younger said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. His father responded, though we don't see the words here, but we find that uh, it says that in verse 12, He divided unto them his living, and not many days after the younger son, he left. So we find that his father did respond, and he did grant this request. We find in his departure that he gathered his possession and did indeed depart away from the father. But from home, he left home and he went into a world that he knew nothing of. Now, I want us to get for imagine just for a moment how that young man or that young woman that has been saved longer than they ever were lost. What do you mean by that? They may have got saved as a young boy or a young girl and now they're in adulthood. They've got their own children. They've got their own family. And I, I can't tell what, what brings it up. All I know is between self and Satan, there is a battle. Amen? And in that battle, many times that person goes the wrong way. They choose the wrong path. They do the wrong things. But here is a young man or a young woman that all they have known is church. All they have known is singing the songs of Zion and the preached Word of God. But then they make a mistake and they go out into the world. And the world, though it may seem appealing, is unknown to them. And they're in strange waters, if you will. Leaving from home for the world is a step into the unknown. Even if it seems that they have designed it in and of themselves that way. Even if it seems that they have done this to themselves. Anybody ever said that? God knows I have. They've done this to themselves. They've made their own bed. They've got to sleep in it. But I want you to know today 
uh, that this young man stepped into a world of unknowns. Number two, I want us to notice not only his departure, but his distance. The Bible says again, verse number 13, and he took his journey into a, whoop, a far country. Can I tell you this without sounding too simple, that just one step away from God is a far country. Y'all need to hear that again. Just one step away, away from God is a far country. And oh, so many times we have taken that one step. And, and he's right there. We can see him. But there's still a fellowship that's been broken. And would to God that we could all stay by his side or stay on the Father's lap and stay in his will. But occasionally we find ourselves as this young man and we step away from God. But in doing that, we see a distance and he went into a far country. He went from a good home to a hog pen. And I couldn't imagine. I have, Brother David, I have actually raised a couple of hogs. Not very many. They weren't my dad's. I will grant it that. But it fell on me. And in that, it was nasty. It smelled. We lived in a holler. And I'm telling you, you could smell it no matter which direction you went. As long as the wind was blowing, it was nasty. You walk in there and people, you know, you got these cartoons about the little Wilbur pig or whatever it was, Charlotte's Web. And they, they, you bathe it and they pet it and they treat it like a, a person and all these kind of stuff. But a pig is still a pig. It's going to do things that pigs do. It is going to make a mess. You might bathe it in milk and put a bow on it, but honey, eventually that thing's going to find the muck and the mire again. And this young man, he left a good home and he found himself in a far country, but he found him as far, found himself as far as he could go in the pig pen in this pig pen he may have had a vision of a better life in a new country a better life on the other side of the county a better life with this or a better life with that but i assure you as soon as that home as soon as he left home uh, the best place in the world that he could ever go was back there let me say that again i feel like that didn't come out right as soon as he left home he realized that this wasn't what he truly wanted. And the best place that he could ever be is back where he just lived. He just gave up everything to leave this place because he wanted something better. But once he got to better, he realized that the best place was back home. When a Christian leaves God, he is estranged from all that is good, all that is pure and wholesome and sound. It is a far country when you step away from God. We see His distance. It has, in my experience, now, excuse me, I can't stand that. Uh, anyway, side note, rabbit there, my apologies. I've been preaching for almost 30 years. This November will be 30 years. I've been pastoring for 16 and a half years. And in all of that time, and there was a lot of time where I was just under another preacher and I never had any authority whatsoever. Uh, but in this time, I want you to know that I have seen many different people turn away from God. And to be de dreadfully honest with you today, they often do not stumble and return quickly. But the exact opposite, they usually fall and think that they can never return and end up farther away than they ever believed they could go. 
Again, that starts with a step. But I'm glad that in those years of ministry and watching this and, and being under pastors that dealt with this and, and I was privy to that, that, that those men and the, their, their mindsets, I'm glad that it all comes back to the very fact that this person or this man can return to God. Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. I'm glad this morning that even though we may step away from God, when we, we may be considered a prodigal if you will. But I want you to know today how that there is grace with Christ. How there is a place that you can return to. How there is forgiveness. There is help. There is hope. There is a making nigh back to God by Jesus Christ. Let's notice number three. We see his degradation. It got worse and it got worse. He wasted in verse 13. He wasted his substance with riotous living, with partying, with just frivolous spending. In verse number 14, when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine, and he began to be in want. We see in verse number 15 that he joined himself to a citizen of that country. Not only did he leave home in verse number 12, verse 13 rather, you see that he wasted everything with riotous living you see that he was there was a famine you see that he began to be in want and and, and let me just say this your wants y'all hear me and hear me well your wants will get you into trouble now I realize that's not quite the context here but it says there was a great famine in the land and he began to be in want so what did he do he didn't, at that point, he didn't think about going back home. But instead, he thought about joining himself to a citizen of that country and he ended up in the hog pen. He kept going down. Sounds awful lot like Jonah to me. He joined himself as a servant to that country. In verse 15, he was sent to feed the swine. And I'll tell you that falling away from God will result in wasting all of yourself. It will result in losing friends and those close to you. It will result in taking up residence in the world. It will result in becoming a servant to the world or to sin. It will result in doing things that bring shame and reproach to yourself and to God. Just one step. Away from God. One step away from the Father is all it took. And then we find him as low as he could go in the hog pen. We find number four, his disgust. The Bible says in verse number 16, And he would have fain, this word fain, it means gladly, have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. He was so disgusted by what he was doing. There's no doubt, there's no doubt, that at this point in his life, he realized how low he had actually gotten. We're fixing to find that here in just a minute. But understand, as far as we know, we understand that we're not given his, his nationality. We understand that. But we just have to take it uh, on, on the concept that Jesus is telling this story. 
and we have to take it that maybe this was a Jewish young man, a Jewish family. And in that, we understand through reading our Old Testament how that these pigs, these hogs, this swine was nothing that a Jewish man should be around. And here he was, he had already left home, he left his father, he found himself hungry and had joined himself as a member of another man's family. He joined himself to a citizen of that country, but then we find him in the hog pen. We find him in disgust here in this hog. Not only was it against Jewish tradition, but it says that he would have fain filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. Do you realize that once you get away from God and you go as far as you can go, do you realize that until you come to yourself, somebody say amen, until you come to yourself, you you cannot tell what you will do. He would have gladly filled filled his belly with the husks, the food that the swine were eating. It have to be it have to be a dark point in my life to get down to the point where I would eat anything that she ain't cooking. I mean, in all honesty, it would be it would be very difficult for me to say, okay, here's a hamburger and here's a can of Alpo. I'll go for the Alpo. It'd be a dark day for me to say, you know what, she's got corn on the cob, but out in the compost pile, we got some uh, some corn husks. I'll go out there and eat that. Imagine that for a moment, and here we are. This prodigal, he is in disgust of him own, of his own self. He is in disgust with those around him because the Bible says how that no man gave unto him. No doubt was he disgusted in himself. But he was also disgusted in those others that were around him. Maybe in the same predicament that he was in. Maybe those that he had wasted his substance with. Maybe those that went to a party or went to a club. Maybe those that he lied with one night or another. And they were all gone and no one seemed to help him. But I'm glad that when he hit bottom and everyone else left, I'm glad that the same thing holds true today. That when everyone and everything has rejected you, there is always hope. (laughs) Oh, glory. I want us to look number five at his discovery. I'm trying to hurry. I'm trucking along. Now, I'm going to need somebody to help me. When I say himself, I need somebody to help me. Let's look now at verse number 17. And we can't, when he came, to himself. Amen. He said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? We see number five, his discovery. He saw himself. And what a discovery it would be in a prodigal's life this morning. To wake up and see yourself in the hog pen. To wake up and see yourself so hungry in what you would eat, what you would gladly eat. To wake up and see for a moment a picture in your mind's eye how good you had it just a week or just months ago because you were in the Father's house. You were eating from the Father's table. You were fellowshipping with your brethren. How you were fellowshipping. We don't know that there was a mother, but I'm guessing there was a mama back home and you had mama to go to when everything seemed upside down. You had 
had things at home that you did not have in the pig pen. But I'm glad that he discovered how that there was a better, a better, a better way. How foolish he had become. He was far from home. He was perishing with hunger. But his father's house was full. He said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough? They've got enough bread and to spare. They don't, they're not just eating from the crumbs of the master's table. But he has provided them enough and more. And we're just talking about the servants. Can you imagine what the sons may have had? Number six, notice his determination. Verse 18 down through verse number 20. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Verse number 20. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I want us to see his determination in this, how that he came to himself. We've already established how he created a text in his mind of what he would say. But once he got there, I need you all to help me. It really didn't matter because the father saw him coming. And I want you to know today that there are prodigals all across the country today uh, that they have realized on this day that it is time to go back to the Father's house and whether we as men and we as women receive them, I'm glad that God will will regularly receive the prodigal when he comes to himself. His discovery. He saw himself. His determination. It would be wonderful today if more sinners, more backsliders would be determined to arise and come back home. To arise and go back to the Father's house. It'd be wonderful. Wouldn't it be wonderful today if we, we had peppered in our pews this morning the sinners that, that know they're sinners and they're coming so that they can hear a message of hope when they come down to this altar. Wouldn't it be wonderful, maybe even in our midst this morning, there's someone uh, that they're not as close to God as they used to be. They're one step away from being a prodigal. Wouldn't it be wonderful before they ever made that one step away from God? Wouldn't it be wonderful if they said, you know what? I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to get rid of all this. I'm going to stay in the Father's house. And they made that determination today. Wouldn't it be wonderful if there's somebody here today that's backslidden and you're not where you know you're not where you need to be. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could get up this morning and come to this altar and get it right with God and be received back gladly into the Father's house? My soul, I can testify that that'd be wonderful. The reason I can testify is though I've not been publicly backslidden, I have been lost, amen, and I came to the Lord for salvation. But there's been a lot of times, Brother Kern, that I've not been what I should have should have been, and I've had to crawl my way back to God. He didn't demand that I crawl back to God. Don't misunderstand me. But I thought because of my sorriness and my selfishness that I was not worthy to go to God on my own two feet. So I bowed in a contrite heart and a broken spirit. And I began to beg God to help me. And good God Almighty, 
He reached down with those loving hands and lifted me up and interrupted me and said, Son, you don't have to worry about being a servant. You're already a son. Whoopee! And hallelujah. Whoop! His determination. Number next. I think it's number seven. I want us to look quickly at the Father's attitude. Messing my alliteration up, but the Father's attitude. It could have been a refusal. It could have been a cold-hearted, yeah, I guess just come on in. But neither of those fit the occasion. It says that he arose in verse 20 and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I've mentioned this before. I don't know. I do have it written down. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18 through 21 talks about that son that's gone astray. The, the law gave the father privilege to break that son's neck. There was no explanation, no trial needed. But if the son did what he did here, he could literally go to him as his son bowed his head, step on his neck and break, and break his neck. But he ran to him and fell on his neck. If it weren't for grace, I'm glad today that we'd all be dead. God would have killed us a long time if He had the mind to do so. But I'm glad this morning that He's lifted us up. He's allowed us to sit together this morning. He's allowed us to raise our hands, raise our voice, and raise the lovely name of Christ. It is not for, if not for grace, where would we be? It could have been a refusal, but it wasn't. He welcomed Him with open arms. In this, I want you to notice a few things. I want you to see the reception. He, he, he saw him. He had compassion. He ran and fell on his neck. I want you to see also the forgiveness. He not only received his son, but had compassion. As I mentioned there just a moment ago. He could have received him and immediately gave him punishment. But instead, he received him and gave him compassion. God forgives us. Let us never forget when we're dealing with the prodigal, let us never forget that if it were not for grace, you and I could be there too. It is, it is easy. It is easy to climb up on our high horse and begin to mete out judgment. It's a whole other thing to get down there where the truth is. It's a whole other thing. You remember the scriptures, and I'm not going to quote it because I sure enough messed it up. It says that God's arm is not too, not too short that he cannot reach. Neither is his ear too heavy that he cannot hear. Maybe it do us good to get down there where everybody else lives instead of on our high horse. Saying, I'll judge you and I'll judge you and I'll judge you. Maybe it do us good to, to put ourselves in this prodigal. What would we have done? What would we have done? Maybe look back in one of your yesterdays and realize what you have done. And the grace that was shown. And the compassion that was given you. And now give that to someone else. First John chapter number 1 verse number 8. If we say then that we have no sin, we, can, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. The Father welcomed Him in open arms. You see a picture of reception. We see a, a picture of forgiveness. We see a picture of fitting. F-I-T-T-I-N-G. Fitting. You say, what do you mean? Look with me in verse number 22. The Father said, Bring forth the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hands and shoes on his feet. The Father saw his son and met his need. Now I need you to just imagine. He was his son. He, he was just about ready to eat from the hog slot. That's what he's about to do. And in doing that, Nathan... I'm sure there were some days that he was absolutely hungry. Brother Lee starved to death. Maybe the cheekbones had already started showing effects of malnutrition. Maybe his clothes didn't fit like they fit just a couple months ago. He was skin and bone. One of the effects of severe hunger is your eyes begin to to get black and even sink in just a little bit. His father may have seen all this. And so what do you do, Brother Jody? May have said something like this, son, your clothes, they're, they're dirty. You, mm, you smell like the hog pen. And I know it's been a long journey. Let's just be truthful. He didn't say none of those things. I'm just, in my mind, I think he may have said that. He didn't ask any questions. He ran. He fell on his neck. He kissed him. He immediately spoke to his servants and said, Bring. I'm glad that this morning when we go to God and we begin to confess, when we begin to confess, sometimes God just cuts us off. I know all of those things, but let's not discuss them any longer. There was a lady, you know who I'm talking about, at the nursing home. She always tells us the same story about something that happened. And I try my best to be to be just as friendly as I could be. And bless her heart, she's about to be 99. So I don't have any fault on her, okay? If I ever get to 99, I'm going to tell you the same story 1,200 times. But bless her heart, she, she told the same story. And it was a depressing story, man. Really hurtful story for her. And, and it's not one of those, I'm going to give you this depressing story with the good news. No, it's just downhill. And I've heard it every time we've been out there. And so just as kind as I could say it, I said, now, and I called her name. I said, we're not going to talk about that no more. And she said, well, that's right. And then she just changed gears and went the other way. And I'm like, well, well that worked. She's got a big old cane about that big around. I was prepared. I thought it was going to happen and Nathan was going to have to drive home. God, God didn't bring up our past. Y'all heard me? God didn't bring up the past. He saw that our clothes were dirty, just like this father. He saw that his clothes were dirty. saw that they were just draped over him. They didn't fit him well. So he said, uh, just bring him a new robe. He looked, <laughs> he looked down and he, he remembered his, his son saying in verse number 20, 
verse number, I don't even, verse number 21, the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy, in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. He realized that his, his son uh, didn't really consider himself as a son. And so he said, bring him a ring. So every time he stretches out his hand, he can see that this is a ring from the father. He said, he looked at his shoes, and no doubt I could see as he looked through the, through the dust of just, just churning up as his son was running home. And I knew that the, the son's feet were just dirty. Maybe it was even barefoot. I don't know. But he didn't try to clean up those old shoes. Father knew where they had been, so he just gave him a brand new set of shoes. We, we quote that. That psalm over in Psalm 40. You know, I waited patiently on the Lord. He inclined unto me, heard my cry. And at the bottom, he said, He has set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Another scripture, I, I, I want to say Psalm 37, but I, I could be wrong. Y'all forgive me. But he says, the, the, I know it's not Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So the Father has come in there and now he's giving him a new robe. He said, That one don't fit. That one's dirty. You need something that's going to fit. You need something that's going to be clean. So he's got a new robe. He said, you may not think you're a son, but I'm going to remind you that you are. So he gave him a ring. He said, son, you've walked some bad paths. You've walked in places that you never thought you'd walk, but I'm just going to give you a new pair of shoes so you can walk on the path that I've set for you. That's what he's done for you and I. He's given us these things. We see the feasting. Verse 23, kill the fatted calf. One writer said that this was perhaps the greatest feast day this family had ever observed. What a joy that no doubt, as he called his servants, as he called his friends, what a joy that must have been noised all over the area that this man's son, that everybody knew, was gone. And everybody heard that he had wasted his substance on riotous living. He was back home. What joy. It says, for this my son was dead and is alive and he was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Verse 24, as I just read, he testified. The father testified. He was lost. And his family. He was dead and is alive. I'm glad that the Father knows the secrets that I hold in my heart. He summed it up here. And he summed your story up too. You were dead, but you're alive. You were lost, but you're found. There was no need to discuss all the other things. <laughs> There was no need to go any further in the investigation of what this young man may have or may not have done. It was simply to accept. The father cared not for the sins of the son, but rather that his son was home. Very quickly, I want us to see number eight, the other son, very quickly. The other son, verse number 25, was still at home. His elder son was in the field. He was working. He came and he drew nigh to the house. He heard the music and dancing. 
So we see that this other son was still at home. He was still working. And can I tell you that for every one that walks away, there are multitudes that stay in the house of God, that stay in the right paths, that stay in the right way. It may just be one that goes away. And there's a lot of other people that are left at home. But those other people that are left at home, sometimes we get a little full of ourselves. And sometimes we get, we're better than they are. Can I remind you of the lyrics that she sang? If not for grace. I want us to notice his curiosity in verse 26 and 27. He called on the servant and said, What do these things mean? Thy brother has come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. But his response is so heartbreaking. And he, verse 28, was angry and would not go in. I have seen people, it breaks my heart to even say this, but I have seen people that have watched people walk away from the church, watched people walk away from God. And when they make it right, those people that stayed, those people that helped, those people that worked, because that person was received back into the house of God, they left. And they said, I can't go to church if they're going to be here. My, my. My, my, my. He was angry and would not go in. This morning, we're talking about this this other son now. He had some curiosity, but his response was anger. His response was comparison. He said, I've never transgressed. You've never given me a feast. Your son devoured your living with harlots, he says there in verse number 30. He says, and you kill the fatted calf for him? Can I just step outside of the box and say this? There's not a doubt in my mind that the reason that they had a pen with a calf in it to begin with was because this prodigal had left. I believe this fatted calf was for no other reason than for the day that the wouldn't it be wonderful if we held a feast when a prodigal came back to the house? Of... Wouldn't it be wonderful if we held a feast when the prodigal came back home? I'm going to say it one more time. Y'all not helping me. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we held a feast when the prodigal came back home? Hey, it would be biblical if we did so. It would be wonderful if we would celebrate the fact that someone has left the pig pen and they've came to themselves and they've come back home. Oh my goodness. But then his rebuke. This other son had a rebuke. Verse 31. The father, the father never rebuked this son. Now I realize what I said here. This is the rebuke. The father never said, All right, now let me let me pull out your shortcomings. Let me tell you what you've done wrong. Nowhere in this. Nowhere, Mr. Nixon, nowhere in this. But here's the rebuke that came from the father. The father, he never, never even responded with all those other things, the accusations that this other son. He said in verse number 31, Son, thou art ever with me. You're right. You've never left. He said, All that I have is thine. I've given the portion 
to your brother. But all I have is thine. Verse 32 says, It was meet, it was necessary, it was absolutely necessary that we should make merry and be glad. And this is heartbreaking that the father had to get so plain with the brother. He couldn't couldn't accept the fact that the brother was home. He couldn't accept the fact that everybody was rejoicing. He couldn't accept the fact that, that everything was happy there at home. The father had to get down and dirty. And he said this. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. He said, do you realize that he's not dead anymore? Do you realize that your brother is not lost anymore? You see, sometimes we as human beings have to get to that point. And, and I'm, not being, I'm not being ridiculing today because I'm this way. I make my mind up about something and it's going to take something to heart to convince me otherwise. But Miss Rachel, he says, son, do you not realize your son was dead? He was lost. No one knew where he was. But now he's found. In this feasting, in this this father had to leave the feast for this rebuke. It's, it's sad that he had to leave all the rejoicing to deal with this one son that was being selfish. This one son that was being unforgiving. The father had to leave the rejoicing. I'm going to say this, and it might hurt your feelings. He had to leave all the rejoicing of someone coming home to babysit this one son that was full of himself. Forevermore, I don't want to be like the other son. Now, I'll stand before you. I don't want to be the prodigal. I don't want to be the prodigal. I want to be, I want to be part of that other son that, that, that always stays, that always works. But I also want to be that part of that prodigal that says, you know what? I need to stay with the Father. I need to go to the Father. If I see myself slipping, I don't, want to, I don't want to do it myself. I want to go to God. I want to go back to the Father and make sure it's right. It's, it's a sad thought. I'm, I'm giving my conclusion now so y'all can come with the invitation if you want. It's a sad thought that this father had to leave this celebration. But I want you to, to, to hear what I'm saying. You may be a prodigal today, but do not let the attitude of a brother or a sister stop you from returning to the father. You may be that critical brother or that critical sister today. Then can I humbly suggest to you that you find your way to this altar you get your heart right with God. Because the closer you get to God, the better off you're going to be able to forgive somebody else. When the prodigal comes home, don't stand in the way of his healing. Don't stand in the way of harmony. Don't stand in the way of forgiveness. Don't stand in the way of celebration. 
father said, this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. Every soul in this place this morning could be in the place of the prodigal or the other son. Either way, I want you to know that there's a father right in the middle of it all that's ready to forgive, that's ready to meet you, that's ready to do business with you. My question today is this. Here's my question. There's a prodigal from our church that wants to come home. God's already given me peace. I've already had multiple conversations. There's a prodigal that wants to come home. And I believe it's the church's responsibility to open the front door, stand there with open arms, and allow them to come back in. But I wonder if you'll stand in the way of that. Or if you'll freely, gladly, humbly put yourself in his position and consider if you would want someone to step in between you and God. Or will you say this morning, I'll accept him. I'll receive him. I'll love him. I'll forgive him. I'm going to say it again. I'll love him. I'll forgive him. I'll love him. I'll forgive him. Oh, this morning, my heart breaks to know that quite literally with one step, I could be in the same place. So many people could be hurt with one step in the wrong direction. My own family, my two beautiful girls, and my beautiful bride could be hurt so deeply. The church that God has put me over, oh, I know you'd be devastated. You'd be brokenhearted, be angry. Friends in here that I've made, you'd be angry. But I wonder would you be willing to accept me if I've repented? I've made it right. That's the question. Father, I ask you that you would touch the hearts of people. God, if there's someone in here that maybe is a problem, they need to come home. God, would you welcome them? God, if there's somebody here that they're, Lord, as, as as, as the title in my Bible says, that Pharisaical brother. God, maybe they're, they're a Pharisee this morning. God, would you soften their hearts? Or would you convict them of the wrong? Or to allow them to get where they need to be? God, maybe somebody thinking about taking that step in the wrong direction. Lord, I pray that you'd bolster their faith this morning and let them stay by the stuff. Lord, with all that's within me, I say this statement, as long as I live from this moment on, I never want to see someone in the church become a prodigal. Lord, it hurts too bad. <laughs> but God, I'm so thankful. And even if that were to happen, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, I thank you, and I love you. I love your people, God. Would you touch us in Jesus' name? Amen. Let's stand